Thank you for downloading or podcasting this track. This recording has been remastered to provide the best sound possible given the audio environment of the original recording session. Mosaic Silver Spring is a faith community located just inside the Capitol Beltway in Montgomery County. For more information, please visit our website, www.mosaicsilverspring.org, and we'll see you in the neighborhood. Good morning, church. Like Joel said, my name is Keller. Um, today I'll be reading um, Proverbs 25, 28, verse 28, and from chapter 29, verse 25. Um, so let's read together. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would use this time to quiet our hearts, that you would comfort us through your word, that your spirit would convict us and grow us. God, I just pray that this morning would be a time um, that you use to refresh us and to prepare us for the week ahead. Um, God, I just thank you for Joel. I pray that you would speak through him um, this morning, and I just thank you for this time that we have together. So your name we pray. Amen. In the early uh, 1970s, there was a series of experiments done at Stanford uh, with young children. And uh, Walter Michelle was the lead researcher. And, and here's what they did. They brought kids in, and they were videotaping this, and they sat them at a table, and they set one marshmallow in front of them. And they said, if you don't eat that marshmallow, and you wait until I come back into the room... I will double that up. I'll give you two marshmallows if you can restrain yourself or hold out or exercise self-control or they probably said it in some kid-appropriate way. And then they would step out of the room for varying lengths of time, up to 20 minutes, and they'd come back. And uh, this became affectionately known as the marshmallow study. And in the early years with the marshmallow study, they said there is a significant impact on whether the kid, uh, as cute as they are, chooses to eat that marshmallow right away or whether they can exercise self-control and restraint to not eat the marshmallow. And there were big claims uh, that it would affect your body mass index, your SAT scores, uh, your uh, affinity toward addiction, uh, your socioeconomic outcomes. All this would be affected by whether that kid in that one moment ate the marshmallow or didn't. Now, before you go home and start doing marshmallow tests on yourself or on others and, uh, who you live with or particularly your kids, you should know that efforts to replicate this study uh, are shaky, like at best. Uh, and, and in fact, uh, a group that included some of the original researchers, uh, they dove deeper to try to figure out, like, does this really hold all these big impacts? Uh, simple answer, no. Uh, what those kids chose to do with that one marshmallow in that room really had no demonstrable effect on any of those outcomes that they originally said. 
Uh, and so that left them, the researchers, kind of like, oh, how are we supposed to look at this then? And so they came up with a self-control inventory with like 86 questions to try to figure out how much self-control in day-to-day life does this person actually have? And guess what they found? That actually does show uh, some connection to uh, outcomes that impact your real life. So uh, what this research now over like 50 years has discovered uh, is that uh, you can't look necessarily at a one-time decision, particularly with a kid, and then determine, is this going to set up this kid's future or destroy it? That doesn't work. However, if you look at your own life, you can examine your patterns of self-control, and it will say something about how you make decisions and decisions that impact your health and your well-being, your financial status, and your relationships. Now, that seems fairly intuitive, and in fact, that's not all that new. As we close the book of Proverbs, which is part of the wisdom literature of Scripture, the case that Proverbs makes is that our patterns of behavior do impact our lives. The ways in which we, day in and day out, not necessarily in one moment, but those patterns, uh, they tell us something about ourselves. You may not want to do something, but it's healthy for you, and you do it anyway. That's self-control. Or you may want to do something, and it's unhealthy for you, and so you choose to refrain, to not do it. That's self-control. And in the book of Proverbs, it's unfolding this wisdom to press the question in on your own lives, not... And I want you to catch this. The the book of Proverbs is not uh, a few verses as a marshmallow study to see what do I do in this one moment or if I had to take the quiz right now, I would pass. That tells you less about how you are going to live a life of wisdom and certainly a life that honors God. Rather, Proverbs presses in on you this morning and says, how good are you if we were to take an inventory of when you know something's healthy and you don't want to do it, do you do it anyway? Or if you know something's unhealthy and you really want to do it and you choose to hold back, that is biblical self-control. And that's connected to a life of wisdom. And that's what we're going to look at this morning in two points. Barriers to regulation and Broadway of redemption. So in uh, Proverbs, this I think was like the shortest scripture reading in like the last five years. So Keller, good job. I don't know, it doesn't always work out that you get the shortest. Congrats this morning. Shortest scripture reading passage. I don't know if it's in the history of Mosaic, but it's close. Okay, so shouldn't be that hard to follow along. In the first of two verses, uh, Proverbs 25, 28, uh, the author writes this. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. The point here is that uh, exercising Some control or regulation over our lives provides protection. 
And I know this is just one verse, and uh, it explicitly misses self, uh, mentions self-control. But if you have been reading along in the book of Proverbs with us as a church, time and again, it doesn't always label it self-control, but it lays in these patterns. When it comes to good food and drink, Proverbs 23, verses 20 to 21, talk about consuming too much or the ability to restrain yourself. There's these vivid images of people who uh, struggle with self-control and they struggle so much that they put their hand in a bowl of goodness and they've had so much and satiated themselves so much that they can't even lift it back out. That is self-control. It's mentioned time and again and woven through the book of Proverbs that one of the ways we can inventory how we do is when it comes to good food and good drink, or bad food and bad drink. The same is true with the use of our words. We talked about speech ethics in this series in Proverbs chapter 13, in Proverbs 16, verse 32, this idea that our words, our ability to exercise control over our speech. We don't really want to say, I'm sorry, when we don't really want to take responsibility, but we know it's true. And so we urge ourselves to get to that point for the sake of love and our relationships. That's a demonstration of self-control. When, on the other hand, we're really angry and we want to send harsh words that are hurtful because we're hurt or we're upset or worse, we're both hurt and upset. And so we want other people to feel that way and uh, we choose not to send those words out because we know those words are going to cause damage because words are powerful. If we choose to hold on to those words, the book of Proverbs again and again says, hey, good job. That's self-control. When it comes to sex and lust, the book of Proverbs weaves this in and out. If you are married then being faithful to your spouse as opposed to lusting and worse, having affairs is an exercise in self-control. The good of loving your spouse, even at times when you don't feel like it, the restraint of lusting after other people, even if in a sense that brings some enticement, but saying that's not for my good. You're exercising self-control. So in Proverbs chapter 6 and in Proverbs chapter 7, verses over verses over verses are laying this in all the way to Proverbs 31. Finally, and this may hit home, like if you got to dodge, you know, like the affair one, wait till we talk about procrastination and the use of your time. YouTube algorithms are designed to get you to not do the things that you know you should because it's just so nice to, it auto-plays for you. You can just watch. This is a lack of self-control to not do the things that you know you should and instead doing something that you shouldn't. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 tells us to be like an ant. You can go and read it later for yourself. It's an example to not procrastinate, to not put off, to not just let the next video autoplay, but instead to do what we should do. Like a city that has walls broken down or destroyed, effectively there's no protection for the people within. Anyone who wants to come in can run roughshod 
over that city and its people and the goods there. And so the metaphor is that when we don't exercise self-control, when we lack it, it's as if we've let the walls of our own spiritual lives go. And so whatever temptation or whim comes to you in life, whether it's food or drink or sex or procrastination or angry words or something different, whatever heads your way, you're not protecting yourself or the people in your life. That's the connection and metaphor and how it works out. That is unwise. Now, here's the rub for us today. Uh, it seems so easy. Do you know if you Google self-control, how many hits show up? Do you know how many books and podcasts are put together to help us all exercise greater self-control? It's a lot. Countless. Millions. Multi-millions. There's so much out there to help you. Then why is it so hard? Like, if the amount of access to resources that we have to demonstrate self-control are like uh, legion or, uh, you know, almost countless, then why do we struggle so much? The, the reality is we face barriers. Those books and websites and podcasts and advice and people around you, it's not that they're bad. Those things are fine. Go explore them. It's that they're insufficient to wholly uh, free us to exercise self-control. And the Bible, not only Proverbs, but the whole of Scripture has something to say about that as well. Temptations to not exercise self-control, temptations to do what you want are going to come from within. Uh, the reality of sin introduced into the world uh, the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis involved effectively a lack of self-control. This introduction of sin means that in some ways we're spiritually hardwired to not do what we know that we should and to do the things that we know that we shouldn't. And that we're presented with decisions all the time in everyday life that we wrestle with. Not because we can easily see good from bad, but because often we take the good things and make them ultimate. We take the pleasurable things and we say, well, I just want that right now above any other good. And so from the inside, we face temptations to not exercise self-control. But we also face temptations from the outside. Not only YouTube algorithms, although that's part of it, uh, but we live in a fallen world that sends you messages regularly. Do what you want. Have it your way. It's all about you and your desires and being the most authentic version of you. And it's not that, again, on its face, there's something 100% uh, wrong about that, but it fails to fully encompass the reality of what if your own sense of self-determination and self-direction has been impacted by the reality of sin? Well, then figuring out the rest of your life all left to yourself is not going to take you to a good place. Satan, in addition to that, prowls around wanting to distract you from the goodness of God, wanting you to self-sabotage, tempting you, and pressing on spots to make you stumble. So the barriers from inside with our own nature and from outside in the world that we live 
Satan and its forces, these are huge barriers to our own practices of the virtue of self-control. But there's good news. The good news for us is that we, while we have access to some resources like podcasts and books and community, there's more for us from God himself. That because of those internal, external forces, God knew he can just leave us to ourselves to figure this out. But he himself had to enter in. It would take a greater spiritual power to break down those barriers and create a broad way of redemption. Ed Welch, who is uh, a counselor uh, and scholar and teacher, in uh, a few years back in the journal on biblical counseling, in an article on self-control, he wrote this. Those forces, inside and outside, work to persuade us that sin is really not that bad and that God is really not that good. Jesus entered into our world to flip that, to show us clearly and soberly the reality of sin and that it leads to death and to demonstrate the love of God for us, that God is good, that God isn't designed just to drop rules on you to make your life miserable, but rather Jesus has entered in and taken on humanity to love you and to build a broad way of redemption to lead you to freedom. That while often the resources that we can Google are insufficient to deal with the depths of our own spiritual lack of self-control, Jesus in the pouring out of his spirit is powerful enough to come in and to break down those barriers of sin, both that you face internally as well as externally, to help lead us forward on this broad way of redemption. That, friends, is the Christian hope when it comes to self-control. That you're not just left to your autonomous self to go figure it out and make it better, but rather God has entered in to demonstrate his goodness, his love, his grace for you. So right now, if you are experiencing shame because self-control has been mentioned and you realize that is something that you sorely lack, Jesus takes a seat next to you by the power of his spirit and says, I know the way, follow me, I love you, and I care for you. That, friends, is the privilege that we have as Christians. Not that we have to do it perfectly, but definitely not that rules are being dropped on us that now we just kind of coldly have to follow for the sake of following them. Rather that Christ has broken in to break down barriers, has uh, mapped out the broad way of redemption and invites us to follow. God has set us free from the bondage of those barriers that prevent self-control. He sent his spirit to make us alive to do business with the decisions that we have to make day in and day out. The great hope for us is that God's mercy to us is new every morning so that you can wake up this morning and say, God, all right, here we go. Today, help me to live in a way that's self-controlled. And God says, yes and amen in Jesus. And I've poured out my spirit on you so that the fruit that gets produced in growing up as a Christian is one that involves self-control. 
So while podcasts and breathing techniques and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, those are all good things. I don't think you have to reject those out of hand. They're insufficient to deal with the power of temptation that we face. But God, by spirit, makes us alive and brings us the power to follow and travel down his Broadway of redemption. So that in the many barriers to regulation that we face, both internal and external, God has entered in. He clears that Broadway of redemption for you and I and invites us just through faith to begin to travel down that road, to take one step after the other, day in and day out. So that the hope for us is that we don't just make one marshmallow decision about self-control, but we begin to now feel a sense of freedom and power to say, okay, I can engage these things, and I'm not going to do it perfectly, but I'm going to do it day in and day out. Now, you could be asking, all right, Joel, what would that look like? Let's just say I want to start that today. How would I begin to use that power and to begin to work out that freedom? One way is prayer. When you're faced with decisions and you say, I don't know if this is healthy uh, or I don't know if I can do this or not do this, you can pray and God has promised to meet you there and spiritually strengthen you. You can read scripture so that you can understand better how do I think about the things in the world. So if it's not just solely dependent on me, scripture becomes God's guide of wisdom to walk through day-to-day life. If you feel like you have been doing that, you can fast. Fasting is a Christian discipline that helps build in the practice of self-control. It is uh, an intentional often abstaining from food, although you can fast from other things, as a way to help us grow in the discipline of telling ourselves, not right now, for this set of time, for this intentional purpose. That practice, and maybe why you would fast, is to help spiritually reorient your life to bring glory to God, but also just is a routine practice of self-control. It's not easy to do. Uh, You don't have to be showy about it. You don't have to uh, enter social media in order to fast. You don't have to tell everyone on social media about your fast. But it'll help you start practicing self-control in the day in and day out. Finally, community. Here's how community helps. And particularly, say, in a cross-cultural community in our time and place. Often, our sense of what's right or what's wrong is skewed by so many internal and external factors, community helps us to see clearly. Let me give you a couple of quick examples, and these are just examples of of what I mean. In relationships, uh, particularly marriages, each spouse always thinks they're right. They always think they have a healthy view on what happened here and why I did what I did. I'm totally justified. Having friends... Or other people in your life who you can run that by and say, hey, can I just tell you about something? Uh, If there's someone in your life who you trust enough and over time you've built to the spot, that helps you to be able to see clearly, maybe I didn't exercise as much self-control as I want. Or when it comes to events happening in the world and how we should respond to them. When we're called to lament, when we're called to mourn and come alongside people, oftentimes you may not see what the big deal is until you're in a community who says, hey, now is a time to exercise the self-control of mourning with those who mourn. That happens in cross-cultural communities when we begin to have an ability to see the world through other people's eyes particularly majority culture people who tend to assume, yeah, of course I have a good read on this. 
It's an opportunity for us to hear and listen to others. So community, both when it comes to our relationships, friendships and marriages, uh, parenting, and uh, how to work out situations with roommates or coworkers, community can help bring perspective. And then as a fuller community, we can learn to see the world through each other's eyes. All of those are practices that don't necessarily guarantee self-control, don't hear me wrong, but they're practices that God has provided for you and I so that we can in the day in and day out walk a path of the fruit of self-control that comes through the work of Jesus Christ. That is walking wisely according to Proverbs. That is building up walls in our city to allow the appropriate traffic involving our spiritual lives. That is the Christian hope and practice of bringing glory to God through the decisions that we make when we do the right things and we didn't really want to, and we choose to avoid the wrong things, even though we know it's pleasurable or enticing. That, friends, is the wisdom of self-control. Let me pray. God, I ask that you will help us to do just that. Uh, it's hard. Those forces both inside and out are strong. And they uh, create cross pressures in our life that uh, make it really difficult uh, to do the right thing as a pattern. But God, I pray that you will help us as a community not to uh, just uh, heap guilt and shame over people for that, but to come alongside one another and to be a community that recognizes the freedom we have in Jesus and, and moreover, the power of your spirit to work in our lives and moreover, the fruit of self-control that that produces. Let us enjoy that. Let us encourage in the best of coming alongside one another and pursue that together as a family. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.